So he took it personally that you yes. were making more money than he was. And rather than celebrate that, like yeah. a decent person, he <laughs> got upset. I, I, it's crazy mm-hmm. to me. And highlighted the fact that he, he had a better education than I did. Hello, and welcome to Financials Podcast Futurich. I am your host, Barbara Ginty, and I'm also a CFP, which is a certified financial planner. And I'm very excited to have our lovely editor, Amy, on. Hi, Amy. Hi, everybody. It's really weird to be on the podcast, and I'm going to have to edit myself later. But thank you so much for the introduction (laughs) and for all of your support over the past few years. Absolutely. Yeah, it's fun to kind of turn the tables. Once in a while, we have you or Potter come on just to you know, for a change of pace here. And I figured this would be a great time to have you on for our season wrap up. This is going to be our last episode for 2022. I know it's crazy. We only have what, 32 days left of 2022. (laughs) It feels like 2019 still. So yeah, (laughs) I feel like we skipped it. It's like it went really slow in some regards. But in other regards, it feels like we skipped a few years. I know it's crazy. I still haven't left the country. I used to travel a lot like pre-COVID and I still haven't really gotten my my butt over to Europe or South America or done anything since since COVID. So hopefully 2023 is the year. Well, are you going to do that on our break? Mm -hmm. Maybe go somewhere? Maybe I'll (laughs) go somewhere on our break. No, I don't. But I like the last minute ones. I don't stress. It's like, I like it to not be as planned generally. I like everything else planned. Like all your finances planned. But when it comes to travel, it's like nice just to be like, oh, I have an easy work week. I can probably pop off and take a couple of days oh my God. there. I would not expect you to be the person that's like <laughs> taking weekend trips to like Spain or, or Portugal. But I hope that you do. You deserve it. I don't know if you guys know how hard Barb works, but she works probably 500 times harder than she lets off on her life and in her life. You get yeah, like we, fun, excite like you get Barb on the podcast, but Barb has a crazy life outside of the podcast, which I'm excited <laughs> to talk a little bit more about today. Yeah, so we're going to chat a little bit about that. And then one thing I really wanted to chat about on the podcast, and so I appreciate you coming on to chat about it with me, it would be, I don't think it would be as much fun alone. But I was trolling Instagram, which is probably not what I should do with my free time. And I came across a really interesting video by... Um, Stephanie O'Connell, I think her full name is Stephanie O'Connell Rodriguez. And she is the podcast host for Money Confidential, which is Real Simple's uh, money podcast. And she has been posting some really interesting videos on Instagram about women breadwinners. So in a heterosexual relationship, so man and woman marriage, um, what the statistics are on the female out earning the male. And it has some like pretty bad statistics on it. Really? Can you elaborate on the statistics? <laughs> yeah. So, so, so over the years, obviously, with women, you know, making more sense on the dollar, and more women go to college than men. So, obviously, women are earning more and more. So, currently, according to Bureau of Labor Statistics, or the most recent statistics, women are the primary breadwinners. Thirty-eight percent of marriages, but research done by the University of Chicago. Booth School Business found that a married woman earning more increased the probability of unhappiness in her marriage. And this is crazy. The study found that a woman making even $5,000 more a year, which is like not a huge amount, than her husband was at a greater risk of divorce. Wow. I'll give you, I'll continue. And then data from a U.S. national survey of families and households found that 
Those who reported being happy with their marriage declined that it declined when a woman earns more than her husband, with the likelihood of divorce increasing by fifty percent. Um, what? <laughs> well, I wonder how much that's increased over the years. Do you think that this is like a steady increase of like women out earning men, or yes? So I think since probably the 60s or the 70s, where women statistically did not out-earn men, right, this is now really changing. And I think it's going to be, I think there'll be more research done and there'll be more data coming out because now that women, I think the majority, more women, I think more women go to college than men. So therefore more women have college degrees. Therefore they will be out-earning more likely or should be Mm out-earning, right? Because they have higher education. So 38%, I mean, that's almost at parity where it's a, right? So we get up to 50, then it means if you were to randomly select, you know, heterosexual couples, then 50% of them, right? The female out earns the male. Mm -hmm. But interestingly enough, even though women are doing better financially, right? And career-wise, it hasn't changed that, that old school dynamic where, and you see it all the time in like Hollywood, right? Like where all of a sudden the wife like becomes a bigger movie star and then they get divorced. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So, it's it's not just about money. It's kind of about status too, isn't it? Yes, I definitely think status plays into it. And the interesting thing is, I don't think it changes that like, just because you make more money, then does it really so one of the videos that she does is like, does it really change the dynamic in the household? Like who's doing like, how is the equity divided of household chores, right? So mm-hmm. you might be earning more, but you're maybe still carrying more of the mental load or workload of the house. So it's it's interesting. And I do think that we'll continue to see women being the breadwinners. And you'll see, I think that percentage, hopefully you'll see increase, right? That means just women are making more money, which is great. But it's right. interesting that it has a negative effect on married life. That is super interesting. And I, I can't say that I'm not I mean, it is shocking, but it's, there is part of it that isn't surprising to me. And maybe, maybe we can unpack that a little bit. Just that to me, a lot of women feel, and this is also like part of a societal pressure too now, which I think is a good thing to, to have more equality in their lives and money, whether we like it or not, has a lot of power. I know we talk a lot about how money holds Mm -hmm. so much power in our lives. Holds a lot of power. And when women make more money, it changes the relationship that they have with their partner in the sense that their partner expects them to still do everything else that they would have done if they were just a stay-at-home partner. Correct. Yep. So is that really equal if no. the woman is woman if the woman in the relationship is earning more money, working more, and is still expected to do the same amount of chores around the house or provide more emotional stability, be someone's therapist and also their housekeeper and also their lover and also the breadwinner. It's not really surprising to me. And that's sad to say, but yeah, I mean, maybe we could talk about that more and like what your thoughts are on it coming from a financial stand, a certified financial planner standpoint. Yes. I think it's, I think it's really interesting. And I think it depends on the dynamic of the relationship and basically what, so I think it's probably, you're probably better off when you're going into the relationship. If you start out as the breadwinner, does that make sense? So like you've already set the the standard of like, I make more and this is how things are going to be divisible in the household and in our relationship. And this is how we're going to divide up. Cause as you've listened to on the podcast, everyone does it differently, right? So some people do it percentage, some people do it 50, 50, everyone has like a different way they do it where it feels comfortable and feels 
equitable to them. It's not what works for somebody doesn't work for somebody else. And a perfect example of that is I said on the podcast, I would do it percentage wise. That's how, like I said, that felt like when I was talking to a woman on the podcast, I thought percentage wise seemed like a good balance for that particular relationship. And she liked that. Yeah. Then my partner came to me and said, let's do percentage. And I was like, no, it's not fair to me. And he was like, why? You said it on the podcast. You said percentage is fair. And so you'll pay 95% of everything and I'll pay 5%. And I was like, yeah, no, that does not work for me. I don't care if that's what I said on the podcast. Because for me, in my personal situation, 95 and 5 does not feel like a fair percentage. It's one thing if it's 60, 40, right? Or even 70, 30, but 95, 5 did not work for me. So Right. And it also so- too depends with your relationship. Like, is your partner picking up in other ways like do they Mm -hmm. provide a lot of emotional support for you do they take care of the house do they plan things out like what what kind of role does that have in your relationship if he thinks that that you need to be doing 95 percent of of the financial stuff I mean I was like yeah I'm not trying to drag him or anything so that so that was my my argument was well you don't do if I did 95 percent of the financial right and you do five percent that's mm-hmm. nice. That's a lot on my shoulders to take care of mortgages and <laughs> right. It's a lot of overhead. Yeah. You then have to do ninety five percent of running the household, right? Like that. Yes. But that wasn't what was happening, right? So the rental income was my responsibility. Getting the rent mm-hmm. set up, dealing with the tenants. So it was like, well, no, that's my money. I do all that work. So no, that's not getting to me. That was like an ent- separate entity. That's a separate business. I'm running it. I'm doing it. I'm maintaining it. I've established, you know, so I was like, I'm not sharing that, but I'm also very, I found it not very good at sharing. So I think going into relationships is easier if you start out. I think it's a different dynamic when maybe you started out not making as much. And then all of a sudden you're making more because I do think that changes the dynamic or can not always doesn't have to, but I do think it can change the dynamic of the relationship. And I'll give you a a personal story. And I'll say this happens to everybody. So I took a break. So I worked at Bloomberg and then I worked at Credit Suisse. But between Bloomberg and Credit Suisse, I did a financial planning startup, which clearly was unsuccessful. But for for that time frame, I was a waitress. I was waiting tables in a really fun bar in Hoboken. And so I didn't have a lot of money, right? So I waited tables, had my startup, but just had like enough to like pay rent and get by. And so I started dating a guy and he was doing really well financially. And so he which I was okay with at the time because I had no money. So he paid for everything for me, for the most part. We went to dinner, he paid. We got a taxi, he paid. We went away. I don't even know if we went away. Maybe we didn't go away. But we'll just say he paid for all the dinners, paid for bar, because I didn't have a ton of money. So that was fine. And I was, I did not feel, I actually didn't mind it at all. It was probably the, it was the first time in a dating dynamic where the person made significantly more. And I was like, this is actually pretty nice. Like, I everything gets paid for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then... So yeah, it was a nice change for me because I was used to like splitting things with previous boyfriends. Like I'd split things and we were like more comparable and I made like a little bit more, but like more on the equal side as far as Mm. I can remember. And so we would split flights and we would split dinners and split things for the most part. And Mm -hmm. so this was like a really interesting change to like not be making a lot of money and then have somebody like be like, don't worry about it. I'll pay for dinner. I'll pay for taxi, blah, blah. Then what happened is my boss called me back to work and was like, I'd like you to come back same group at Bloomberg and Credit Suisse. I'd like you to come back to work. And I was like, okay. So I went back to work on Wall Street. And so my salary jumped, as you can imagine, significantly from being a waitress and having a startup, which I wasn't making any money on, to being back on Wall Street. And so 
I was just, as you know me from the podcast, I'm very transparent. So I told the guy I was dating at the time what I was going to, my starting base salary. And now on Wall Street, you also get really good bonuses. But I told him the base salary and he was appalled. Like he was so angry about it. I angry? Was like, should, yes, angry. I was like, you should be happy for me. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't maybe these exact words, but in the vicinity of these words of, I went to an Ivy League undergraduate school and I have an MBA and you were making more money than me and you're a wait. I think he said you're a waitress. I was like, no, 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 no. Wow. First of all, there's nothing wrong with waiting tables. I did it for years. It's great income. I really enjoyed it. I was like, but I have the background to get this job, which is why I got the job. And I I have a skill set that warrants this income. Like I have the skills to do this job. Like it's, they didn't make a mistake on my salary band. Um, I also know what a salary band is, which if you don't, you should look up, but I also negotiate it very heavily to come in at the high end of it so that I was fairly compensated for the fact that I took a year off to do a startup. So I wanted to kind of be compensated for that to, to end that business and go back to a corporate job. Anyway, he was so upset about this because he felt like he was significantly underpaid if I was going to make that type of money, given that he had a better, I'll just say pedigree, if you will, like he had a better undergraduate education and he had an MBA and I didn't have an Ivy League undergraduate and I didn't have an MBA. So he went in and asked for a race like the next week. (laughs) So did they give it to him? I do think he got it. Obviously our relationship did not work out. I don't know why that wasn't the biggest red flag ever because I continued to date him for a bit after, but that should have been like, to me, obviously someone should have shook me and been like, if he doesn't support you making money, like you should. And also like the fact he should have been like, oh, you did a great job. And like, maybe he felt like he was underpaid as a result of finding out my salary, but it, Wow. Yeah, it just changed the di- it changed the dynamic. <laughs> so he took it personally that you yes. were making more money than he was. And rather than celebrate that like yeah. a decent person, he <laughs> got upset. I, I, it's crazy mm-hmm. to me. And and highlighted the fact that he he had a better education than I did. And I was like, "Well, education is very important, but as you hear on this podcast a lot, I try and talk people out of going back to school just for the sake of going to school because just because you get a very expensive degree does not directly correlate with high with a high income. Yeah, and it's also not a competition with this it, guy. Yeah, it definitely wasn't a competition. It turned into one. But yeah, and so that was like a really interesting because it was the first time, the only time in my dating history, like where I dated someone more than, I'm like the queen of first dates, but where I actually <laughs> dated someone long enough to like call them my boyfriend or whatever. And they made more. And then once I made more the relationship obviously had multiple red flags, but that was a big one. Yeah. And so if you say hypothetically got married to this man, how would that affect it? I mean, it's crazy (laughs) to think about. And it's such a good point that you brought up too, that if this happens when you're in a relationship, I think that like there's so much more potential for it to get really uncomfortable really fast rather than establishing like at the beginning of the relationship hey this is how much I make what are your values with money I think that that might have really helped some people or a lot of people not have as much heartbreak as just establishing like what your relationship with money is does it matter to you if someone makes more than you or makes less than you how equal do you want things how do you want to split up bills if you end up getting a house together or having a family together So it's interesting to think about 
from that perspective. And I'm glad that you got out of that relationship. (laughs) Terrible relationship. But no, and so I I agree with you. I think having these conversations up front, like can eliminate not all problems, but some problems, you could be a bit preventative of like, okay, so if I decide to take a, a career break to stay home with kids, like how does that work? And who's doing the bulk of the chores? Or like, what happens if I get a raise or a promotion for a job and we have to move? Like, how does that, like having those conversations mm-hmm. up front and trying to figure that out, I think, especially if you're both career people, right? And I think that's the biggest difference, right? So with women going to college at a higher percentage than men, and now starting to have this breakdown where more women are breadwinners, your career is important, right? If you've invested into that college education to get to that career path. So you might want to make sure that's prioritized. Mm-hmm. And how is that going to, how is that going to be done? Right? Right. Because I think that's a big difference too, right? Is now you might have to move for a job to make the extra money. And how does that impact the relationship? Yeah, I think that I would love to hear from the listeners too, if anyone wants to comment like on our Instagram or DM us, or if anyone wants to come on the podcast and talk about this. Like, I think that this is such an interesting topic and there's so much we can learn and there's so much that's unexplored still because it is so new. Yeah, I think it's a, I actually think it's a fascinating topic. I don't think it should be like, I, you know, love the idea of having your cake and eat it too. I don't think that you're destined to have an unhappy or unsuccessful marriage just because you make money. Like, I think that's it. Right. But that's kind of what the research shows. And I just think, I don't think it needs to be the case. I just think you need to find the right partner. And I think you need to have conversations. And I think sometimes it's easy to like skip the tough conversations or just to Mm -hmm. assume that you're on the same page rather than to kind of hash it out. Mm -hmm. But, but I also think what I think is really interesting is my current partner now, it is a lot more common within his social circle that they're stay at home dads. So, which I think that part of it is like, if you're the only stay at home dad, then you're kind of like the odd person out, right? If you're the only one doing it. So I think as these dynamics start to change, if it's more socially acceptable, right, that Mm -hmm. you're a stay at home parent, because you don't see stay at home dads as often. Yeah. No, I don't know anyone who has a stay at home dad Dad, or grew up with that. Right. So I know one person who I know two people who had stay at home dads, and they loved it. And their dads are great. Um, But it was it it was definitely more rare then because they're in their late or their early 30s or early 30s and late 30s. But I think it's really fascinating, because my partner wants to be a stay at home. Dad would be happy to he's going to work half the year instead of he works eight, eight months or nine months a year, nine Mm -hmm. months a year, and he'll work six months a year if we have kids. And so, but for him, he's going to have like a bunch of dad friends to go do things with, right? Because he'll be like one of a handful of people that are stay-at-home dads. Well, the wives are all, the wives are all the like professional breadwinners. So it's standard in his group of friends that the wife is the like more career folk. They they have careers or careers are just not high earning careers. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I also think that plays a part into it, right? Because it's more socially acceptable and you have a built-in social network. Yeah. Right? No, I mean, that sounds great. And it's great that he communicates that with you rather than you having to like kind of fish that out of him for him to be like, no, I want that responsibility. <laughs> Barbara, let me be the stay-at-home dad. <laughs> you, you keep working. I'm going to take care of the house. I'm going to take care of the kid. It's good that you guys communicate. Well, I, you know, despite the vacations not being planned, I really like to plan everything else. And so obviously on his income, there is no way 
it could support a household. Like it can support him perfectly fine, but it couldn't support a household. So it wouldn't be possible to, for him just to work and for us to have the same, the same lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So the only way for it to work would be for me to be continue to be the primary breadwinner, which means I'd have to work full time, which means I wouldn't be able to stay home. And so mm-hmm. then the conversation came up like, well, would you want to do that if you could maintain your winter job? And he was like, yeah, there's like a bunch of, I know a bunch of guys that do it. <laughs> I was like, you do? That makes me really happy. I feel like that also just shows like a level of confidence in him that he's like comfortable with himself and with his, his masculinity to say, no, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to take care of the kids. And I think that that might contribute to that per that statistic that you shared that a lot of marriages are unhappy because of what was it? 38% are unhappy because the women makes more money. Is that yeah. a masculinity thing? Is that a, like, yeah, what is so, that? So that's the interesting thing. So it's, so basically the statistic is 38% in marriage, heterosexual marriages, women are the breadwinners. But the study found that women making even $5,000 more a year than husband are at greater risk of divorce. And they say that greater risk is as high likelihood of divorce is increased by 50% by out earning your husband. Mm-hmm. And so I think it comes down to a dynamic shift, right? And I that's why, I mean, you see it all the time in Hollywood when the, the unknown actress, right, the wife all of a sudden becomes the movie star. And then they, you know, get divorced because also because of conflicting schedules. Because remember, when you have two careers that are both high earners, now you have two, you have conflict, right? You you would have, I would think, you would have demands for that high income. Yeah. So now if you have two, you know, two different travel schedules and two different corporate needs or business needs, right? It's a lot. It's all encompassing. And so rather than having one be the primary person and the other person having a little bit more of a support role where we can go where you need to go, or if you're going to be on the road this week, I'll be home, right? Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you, once you have kids, right? If you're single, I think it's easier dynamic. I think once you have kids, it's a little bit harder, like who's going to take care of them if you're both on the road all week. Right. Yeah. And so I... And I think the dynamic can change over the course of a marriage. And so I think that's why it's just important to have the conversations of like, what does this look like if you want to be the primary earner and I'm not or vice versa, or if we both are for a time frame? like how do we, how do we handle that? And then how do we handle the division of labor at home? Right. Because mm-hmm. running a household is a lot of work. Oh yeah. It's a full-time job. <laughs> yeah. It's a full-time <laughs> and, job. And then some, and it's also emotionally taxing in a way that a job might not be too. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and then the other thing that I think compounds this is despite the this change, right, um, they still say the research still shows that two thirds of men say they make their household investment decisions, despite the fact that women answer the question like six out of 10 say they wish they had more confidence in financial decision making. Wow. So that gender gap about calling the financial shots, I wonder why that is. Do yeah, you have I don't any know why. No, women just tend to, I think, naturally undervalue their own abilities a bit. You know, it's getting, I think, better and better. But I would say, generally speaking, right, like the statistics shows for a career that if a woman and a man are both reviewing what's necessary to apply for a position, women will actually do it literally. Like, you need five years experience, like I only have four and a half. Men will be like, I have three, but I can, you know, rounds up to five. It's no problem. (laughs) You know, they're just like a little bit overconfident sometimes. Not all men, but if you had to stereotype the genders. Um, And so I just think that women are good at making financial decisions. I think that they make better financial decisions 
and in my experience, they do a great job with their finances, even if they don't think they are, they just need a little bit more confidence with it. So I don't actually think they're bad at it. I just think they lack some confidence in that arena. Hmm. Yeah. But you would think as women become the breadwinners that they'd have, you would think the confidence with that would also skew up. Oh, yeah, totally. And it's interesting that you that this ratio exists, the two thirds ratio of men making their households financial investments decisions. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of makes me think about this. I don't know what the quote is from or where, but it was just saying, talking about how men in the 50s would make all the money in the household, but a lot of the women were like the bookkeepers. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. And I still, I, so that's the statistic, right? And that statistic comes from, let me see, TD Ameritrade mm-hmm. is the one that did that survey. I still believe that even if the men say they make the decision, they can't make it without like, especially in heterosexual, they can't make it without their wife being like, okay. Cause generally that doesn't work well. Like if you just go and blindly make the decision. So I do think that's, I do think that's changing. That's what they say. But I would say as an advisor, which I do in my day job, I always want to deal with both people because it's a household decision generally. And I think both parties should be involved. And I find that most people that I deal with don't do anything without checking with their spouse. And I find that women make more of the decisions. That's my personal, my personal opinion. Yeah. As they should be, (laughs) it should be an equal decision. It should be something that you talk to your partner about. It all goes back to communication too. Yeah. And all, and honestly, usually what you see in a household, not always, but usually there's one person who's a lot more interested and prefers to do it. And the other person who's like, nah, this is not my thing. Like whatever he mm-hmm. or she wants to do. And it goes both ways. Sometimes it's the women and the men. It, it just depends on the dynamic of the relationship. But sometimes with the men, I'm just like, well, I just have to check with you because it's your account. So you have to give the verbal and they'll be like, whatever she says, I'll do. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, but I do have to verify it with you first because it is your account. Um, yeah. So it just depends on the dynamic. I do think generally there's one person who enjoys doing that work more than others, but I think women are pretty good at money. I just think they lack some of the, the confidence, but hopefully that's, I hope that starts to change. I mean, we're seeing, I think, especially like with TikTok and stuff, you're seeing more women give it, give advice and give education on this topic than you have previously. Yeah, definitely. And I would love to see more of the women that are giving the financial advice on this, to- on this topic talk about what their dynamics are like with their partners and if they've noticed a shift once they've become, say, once they start earning more money than their partner, if that happens, if they've noticed that there is that change in the relationship and, you know, what shifts with the husbands or the partners when they notice that their spouse, who is a woman or female identifying, starts to make more money. Like, I don't think that this is talked about enough. I don't know if you have experience talking about it with your friends or not, or with anyone else in your life, but I definitely haven't talked to anyone about this. Yeah, no one talks about it because money is still unfortunately like taboo. And so people don't talk about it. And it like, still really bothers my mom, my mother that like I am so open about this stuff <laughs> so, like you're not supposed to talk about money and I'm like it's my job so one of the uh, Nadia who we had who is the feminine care products fa- co-founder for it's August mm-hmm. or founder mm-hmm. not co-founder yeah. for it's August she went on Tori uh, Dunlap's podcast and they talked about it for a little bit that was it was a long interview it was a really good interview though so if you haven't listened to it I would I would definitely recommend listening to it and they both talked about how hard it is to be a high earning female in dating and now oh yeah I'm oh, out yeah. of the dating dating cesspool so I'm very <laughs> thankful for that 
But I did find that it was really hard to date and be a high income earner. I found that it sounds like really, everyone's like, oh no, I would love that. Yeah, no, that's not true. Not true when you go on a date with me. Because people become very insecure about their own situations and their own self-worth the second they start figuring out that like, because you can kind of figure out that someone's making decent money. So like one gentleman I went on a date with, I thought he was great. And I shouldn't have said it, but I said something like, oh, my property in New York. And he was like, property in New York? I was like, oh, yeah, I have a place in New York. And he's like, I knew a place here. And I was like, yeah, I have two places. And I knew. I knew that was like the beginning <laughs> of the end. I was like, whoa. I have, I have two places. Yeah, I'm was, just kidding. I don't have any places. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm renting. I'm renting. I'm renting. I didn't buy. I haven't bought anything. And he didn't say it exactly but he, you know, I knew that was like probably a little bit intimidating, and it shouldn't be intimidating. I don't think. Like, I, I thought he was a nice person, but it it seemed like that was like a bit off putting. Is the only way to describe it. Like, it was a little bit intimidating. Yeah, and that that kind of makes me think about this idea that I've seen floating around, especially on TikTok lately, where a lot of girls are talking about being more feminine and getting reclaiming their feminine energy. And I really wanted to ask you this question. What do you think about that? Like, do you think that that, that money the... should be masculine or feminine? Like, why is no. money being gendered? I think it's bullshit. But here's what I was told by a coach, because I was having such a hard time dating, I hired a coach. And I was told that I have too much masculine energy, because what it takes to be successful in business is masculine energy. Now, I don't know anything about this. Are you this kidding? Is just what I... No, this is not, this is what I was told. And I paid, I paid to be told this. And I was told with dating, I need to show up more feminine because even though masculine energy is what I told, what is, I'm told that I'm masculine, that that doesn't work with dating. And so I need to not cover, I it kind of felt like I needed to kind of like hide who I was, which FYI, I did not do that at all. So I did not listen. Great. I'm glad that you didn't. Yeah, I did not listen. And I think it worked out better that I didn't listen because like, it would have been inauthentic, I think. Yeah. Like my running my businesses is a big part of my life. So it's like really hard to show up. And there's other aspects of my life, right? Like a great friend, amazing friends, great family. I travel, I like to do outdoor activities until I break something. And so it would have been inauthentic to just like not mention like 80% of my time, which is spent on work, like just to like breeze over that. Like, well, yeah, I work. No, it's I'm passionate about my businesses. I have three of them. Yeah, so and then you're hiding something and you're being unauthentic and lying. Yeah, kind of, because then all of a sudden you find out, like, and I don't want to be a workaholic, but I do work a lot. And so if I led with the, oh, yeah, like I finish work at five, like I work, but it's not my whole life. Like that's uh, that's 100% a lie. It is like 100% my whole life. Like I, you know, maybe it shouldn't be, but it, it kind of is like it impacts every single thing I do. And so if I and had, it is right now, too. Yeah, it is. You know? right. So when we went on vacation, like I have to bring my laptop with me. I've never traveled without it. And I have to log in every morning and do work on vacation. Like that's just my life. And so like, if I had said like, led with like I'm really fun and I am but I also come with this baggage of I'm running a couple businesses and they take up a lot of time and I can't go anywhere without my laptop and if someone in my office calls out sick then I need to be available that day it doesn't matter if I'm on vacation so I'm glad that I was more authentic with how I presented myself in dating although I do think that you know dating we could do a whole podcast on I feel like men really give you give you like the high level like 
I don't know, the like the first date is like the resume. It's not like reality. And I felt like I showed up as like, this is, this is who I am, the first date. So this is, but this is not a dating advice podcast. So I'm not good at dating. That's why we don't talk about it. Guys, this is not a dating advice podcast. This is not a dating (laughs) advice podcast. But I tried to just really be who I was from the get-go because I just felt like it was more authentic. But I did hire a coach and I was told I have too much masculine energy and that that's why dating was really hard for me because I led with that and that's unattractive to men. Even if they say they want someone super independent and self-sufficient and makes a lot of money, that's not true. It's intimidating from the get-go. What a generalization. I know. I didn't agree, obviously, but that, and so I'm not surprised you're seeing all that stuff on TikTok about feminine and masculine energy. You know what I think it is? I think you have to find the right person, honestly, who's not intimidated by your own success and, and is self-assured enough in their own, right? Like they're happy with themselves and what they've done with their lives and what they're doing. And they're not threatened because I think a lot of it comes down to being threatened. Yeah, definitely. Which I think which that's ex- all. That's basically all of it is the insecurity yeah. and their own ego. Yeah, and they feel threatened by your success or what you've done, which is exactly what I think what happened with that relationship where I went from a waitress to being back on Wall Street. I think it was threatening. It was like, well, this isn't fair. Like I have these degrees, and I am essentially what he was saying is I'm smarter than you, and I'm more educated than you, and I deserve to be paid more than you. And that was, that's a, you know, it, he basically was threatened by my income level. That's going to be the episode of the podcast from, from waitress to wall street. <laughs> <laughs> or we can make it when men are threatened by your income level. Yeah. When men are threatened. <laughs> yeah, Honestly, you, yeah. just, you just have to find someone I think who's like secure in themselves and is happy to support you and what you want to make and what you want to do with your career. And and isn't going to be threatened or feel insecure by that because, and that comes down to like what you see with people who bully people, right? Just because you shine your light doesn't have to, doesn't mean it dims the other person's light, right? Yeah. Like just one person is succeeding doesn't mean it's at the, the demise of the other, you know, obviously you both can have lights that are shining bright. So I think it has to come from that sort of mindset versus the one where one's, you know, one person doing well is, you know, threatening the other or diminishing the other person's success yeah and success doesn't always even have to be monetary Monetary, yes it doesn't yeah success doesn't have to be monetary if you want to stay home or if you want to do something three days a week however 20 hours a week then you do you it's just all about the communication i think that's the core of all this is like communicating this up front and not trying to hide who you actually are because you think the other person's going to be intimidated or disappointed in you, then they're not your person. <laughs> 100%. 100. So for all of our type A breadwinning breadwinning women out there, show that masculine energy. <laughs> Do not hide it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. I mean, you found yeah. someone that that uh, embraces that side of you. Yeah, which is beautiful. Which is great. And so, and he very much says on a regular basis, success is not monetary, which is a good lesson for me to learn because <laughs> it's not, but I've always tied it to monetary things, but it's not, it doesn't need to be that. It's yeah. different for everybody. Yeah. Well, I was going to say for all of our listeners, if you have any info on the topic or you want to chime in, like, please send us a message on Instagram. I think this topic is absolutely fascinating and they'll, probably more and more research done around it as women continue to earn more money and make 
more sense on the dollar relative to male counterparts. And I know, Amy, you wanted to talk about burnout. So we do take a break and we take a break because we need a little time to recharge. So this will be our last episode for the season. And then we will be replaying some of our favorites. So if you have an episode you would like to hear again, because we have five years of episodes now, which is crazy. So we will be replaying some of the favorites. So if you have a favorite you'd like to hear, shoot us a DM and we'll make sure that gets seen and we can get that out. But we'll be replaying episodes from now through uh, January when we restart our season six in January of 2023. Yeah. Can we all just make a round of applause for uh, this podcast that it's been around now for six seasons (laughs) or five seasons? Uh, We're coming up on six. Six? It's It's crazy. I know. Yeah. And I do think we're going to make an attempt. It's more if I can fit it in the schedule. I want to make an attempt to do the um, topic ones. We were doing those Wine Wednesdays where we went over topics. So we'll see if we can make that happen because I thought those were really fun. So we need this time to recharge and wanted to just say thank you to everybody who supported us over the years. This podcast means so much to me. And I know it means a lot to Barbara and it means a lot to a lot of people. So your support is, is invaluable. Yes. Thank you for listening. All of you have listened and who've come on the show and done follow-up episodes. We love you and we appreciate you listening. And we look forward to restarting in January of 2023. And if you want to stay in touch, our most up-to-date information is always going to be on Instagram and you can find us at Future Rich Podcast. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.